five and a half, rates were just freaking skyrocketing. Yeah, I think it's almost five now. It's pretty darn close to five, right? Something different. Does my voice sound different now? Oh, my. Wow. Oh, look at you. Look at you. <laughs> Ooh, Mr. Fancy Voice. <laughs> I know. Got me all excited. <laughs> Today on The Love Line. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people. It is week 14 of 2022. I'm Chris Louie and just got back from a nice family spring break trip. With me, I have my co-host, Uncle Barbecue. What's up, everyone? It's uh, Uncle Barbecue, a.k.a. The Hot Dad. Uh, just had my first uh, in-person meeting in, in two years, and what can I say? I got a standing ovation. There you go. Not surprised at that at all. But were these people that you have met on Zoom and you just never met in person? Uh, no, I, I met them probably, shoot, I, th- I actually I think the last meeting I had with them was at RSA right before the lockdown. Uh, yes, February 2020. I remember that one. And we have Glenn Medina, a.k.a. Boomerang, coming straight out of Southern California. Hey, everyone. Welcome, and thanks for listening. Um, odd, but I'm back in Southern California after leaving about a week ago. It's a gloomy day here in Huntington Beach. It was crazy nice yesterday, and today, not so nice. Well, the well, dog days of April, think... right? It is. Yeah, hopefully the weather improves for you. No guests this week, as we are recording on a Saturday due to our crazy schedules this week. Combined, we have decades of information security experience, and here not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for you this week, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. For our opening topic, we do have some sad news for the listeners that after last episode, we got our third and final strike from Apple's podcast service that we violated their terms of service about offensive content and they want to remove us from their platform and shut us down since we get the majority of our listens through apple Podcasts, we were given a choice to fight the ruling at a great legal expense remove the offending host from the show and write an apology letter or end the podcast as we know it and relaunch under a different name once things settle down and the smoke clears well we are a not-for-profit podcast and we love brian too much so you can guess which route we're going to take. So to all our listeners, we want to say thank you for your support, but this will be our last episode for a while. Keep in touch with us on LinkedIn to see what we do next. Holy shit, I got promoted to listener? <laughs> yes, and, you did, Brian. <laughs> at least it wasn't me. <laughs> so we could have took bets on that. <laughs> we could have. Well, April Fool's. We just passed April Fool's Day, and I was not going to miss this opportunity to try and play a prank on you, the listeners. So yes, demonetization, Deech, Boomerang, and Mr. Alaska are here to stay, and no one can silence us. So on that note for our first topic, what was your favorite April Fool's joke? One you personally did, or one that a corporation did? So for me, my favorite uh, April Fool's joke was one that took place, I believe it was in 1996, when Taco Bell took out a full-page ad in, it was either the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, some famous newspaper, and they said that the Liberty Bell here in the U.S. has been, the, the naming rights were purchased by Taco Bell, and it would officially be known as the Liberty Taco Bell from, from now on. Uh, so for our, our international listeners, the Liberty Bell is a, a really famous piece of American history. It hung in Philadelphia over Independence Hall, where a lot of historical events took place, like 
uh, here in the U.S. that led to the founding of our nation. It's very, very sacred. It's got the crack in it. If you ever, if you've ever seen a picture of it, but they they just played a joke and said we're we're renaming it to the Taco or the Liberty Taco Bell. And uh, some people believed in it. We're, we're pretty outraged about it, but yeah, it was it was all a nice uh, corporate stunt. Yeah, I think uh, the invasion of Normandy happened there, right? <laughs> yes, at the Liberty Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I, what's actually more important, Liberty Bell or Taco Bell? I mean, it's the flip of the coin at this point, right? Well, for yeah, some people, yeah, they would, they would rather so. eat. So it's that fourth meal, Brian. Everybody loves that fourth yeah. meal it's at the, Taco Bell. It's the secret. It is the secret, it's, especially if you're you know out drinking. It's it's the perfect place. Speaking of uh, the Liberty Taco Bell, do you guys remember was it last year or the year before? When IHOP came out and said they were going to rebrand to become International House of Burgers. Yeah, IHOP. IHOP. My daughter was just, in. she was incensed. She was like, there's no way. Why would they do that? <laughs> yeah. Was that your favorite one? I, I, it's, 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 it's on top of there. Yeah, it's pretty good. I liked it. I thought it was, I, it, it got me thinking about going to, to IHOP. And then I figured, I, and remembered that I've, really don't eat pancakes so or burgers you try out the burgers then yeah so so my favorite one and it just actually it came up uh today uh my wife and i were talking about something and uh long story short my you know one of the kids is trying to figure out um you know when we decided to get married and stuff like that and i told my wife i said actually when we got i proposed to you on april 1st i said it was it was a poorly executed um, April Fool's joke because you took me serious. She goes, "Don't you, don't you even?" I said, "The world will never know the truth." It's true. By the way, I do remember the the Liberty Taco Bell and the IHOB as well. I thought the yeah. uh, the biggest one I had seen this week is like Edelman uh, was signed with the Buccaneers to make Tom Brady happy, which is okay. I, I picked up on that one right away. The one that got me was. My wife's like, hey, in the, the Rivian group on Facebook, someone said that they're getting their Cybertruck delivered in May. I was like, really? Let me see this. And I was like, damn it. April Fool's. They got me. Got to remember what day it is. Yeah. <laughs> Are you, you still have your order in for the Rivian? I do, yeah. You, they ended up uh, changing the price back to something that was less than my first house, which is good. Didn't you um, have one as well on a, on a, on a Tesla Cybertruck? I have three Cybertrucks. Yeah, not just one. He's got three. He's got he's got that three Cybertruck money. Yeah, three nice. Cybertrucks. I have a Ford Lightning, the Chevy Silverado, and wow. What about the Hummer? Uh, the Rivian. Really? Well, here's oh my gosh. Like so, you want to talk about just a, a major boo boo? I really wanted to do the Hummer, but then when I went to go do the reservation, I was like, man, one hundred twelve thousand dollars. Like, like it's cool, right? Like my goal was to always resell, but like, if I don't, like that's a lot of money, right? And so, you know, meanwhile, everything else is close to that price. So I didn't do it. And, you know, fast forward, they started delivering them this past month. And one of them went up for auction and sold for like $459,000. I'm pissed. That's crazy. It is. Yeah. yeah that's, that's ludicrous. That's great. Yeah. But who wouldn't like a Hummer? <laughs> I know I would love a Hummer. <laughs> what about you, Chris? I, I know that. I, th- I think there's... I, I read it that they're either going to just start enforcing it if they haven't already, but Tesla said if you buy a brand new Tesla, you have to sign some kind of agreement that you're not going to sell it for a year because they're tired of these people just 
buying their cars to flip it. They want people to buy them and use them and actually drive them. What, yeah, what are they going to do? Turn the off thing. the car? What are they going to do? Turn off the car and not let you drive it? I mean, they'll stop no, you from buying it's... another one. Yeah, or or there's some there's something legally binding, like you, you, they can hold you liable for some charge. I I don't remember the exact terms of it, but they're they're really tired of people buying cars to flip them, and they want people to buy them to drive and enjoy. I can see a lawsuit MSRP. coming from that. It's like free market. People can do what they want to do, right? I mean, I remember Ferrari did this back in the day when the F50 went on sale. Like there were like several requirements to buy a Ferrari F50, and one of them was you promise not to sell it for like two years or something for for their limited release, or it might have mm-hmm. been the Enzo. Hmm. Would you guys ever yeah, drive so. a Ferrari? Like, would you ever, like? Do you have a desire to actually own one? I hear they drive like. Shit. Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. Ooh, that's two beeps in one episode. All right. Demonetization <laughs> Medina. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I drove one at a customer event. We did a customer event for Exotic Car. You know, we, we of course, let the customers drive them first. And then there was some time left over. So I, I drove a F430. And, you know, I'm a money guy. So purely from a, a money standpoint, it's a bad investment. So a car is a bad investment. It's a depreciating asset for the vast majority of the time. The problem with Ferraris are the servicing servicing is extremely expensive and it happens way more frequently than like your daily grocery getter car like the axles have to be rebuilt every like 10 or 15,000 miles or something it's it's crazy so the total cost of ownership for a Ferrari it just does not make sense like if you want a fast car go buy a a, a plaid model s that'll blow everything out of the water in that price range and the maintenance is nil there's like nil maintenance on on a model s plaid well, if you think about it, like a Ferrari is basically a sports car that they made for the street, right? So it wasn't, like I said, yeah, it's great. But I mean, I, I think I priced one out one time and just for the tires alone, it was like 1200 bucks a tire. And those tires, they want you to get like every two years, whether you use the car or not, simply because of the performance ratio behind them. Yep. So exactly. I thought that was yeah, kind of yeah. nuts. And I think like Bugatti, like Bugatti, to get a Bugatti service, they fly a mechanic from germany to wherever your car is that's the only way you can get a bugatti serviced that would be a bad which, gig maybe i'd become a bugatti mechanic yeah there you go but it can't fit in those cars so I, yeah I'm, I'm going with you guys like the price is one thing the maintenance is another but if i had it my way just give me like an old square body chevy right two-door single cab lifted big old tires on there yeah it's gonna it's gonna drink the gas but i'll have a ton of fun in it yeah well teach their own right All right, for our first story, we're going to talk about an NGO that got hacked by Russian APT crew. This one has a lot to lay out, so please stick with me. I guarantee it's worth it. So an NGO is a non-governmental organization such as the Red Cross or Doctors Without Borders. And this is a story I actually heard on a security podcast I listened to, and I was listening to it and how they got hacked and how the attacker was able to get in and infiltrate their systems. And I got more and more like physically i was physically upset when i heard how this this hack happened i started gripping the steering wheel tighter and tighter and man i just knew we had to cover this topic on the pod so i can get your guys's take on it so the u.s cisa our Cybersecurity infrastructure security agency issued an alert that russian affiliated hackers infiltrated an unnamed ngo so they didn't reveal who the the victim was and that's not that's nothing new russia hacks into people all the time and this hack happened back in May 2021, before Russia invaded Ukraine, but we're only learning about it now. 
The Russian hackers used a brute force credential stuffing attack against the organization's VPN to gain unauthorized remote access, and they were able to log in with a dormant account. So this was an account that was technically not in use anymore, but it was still active in an active directory. So the person left the company, but their, their AD account remained active. And due to the inactivity, the user's multi-factor authentication token expired, and the hackers were presented with an option to enroll a new device to get the MFA code. So that's mistake number one. They should have disabled the account, and they shouldn't allow dormant accounts to issue new MFA tokens without an admin uh, helping out. The account the attackers gained access to was an unprivileged account, so standard user account, and that is one without you know the, the administrator rights. The attackers then escalated privileges to a domain administrator using the print nightmare vulnerability using Microsoft's print spooler. And once they were a domain admin, the attackers modified the host file on the domain controller, redirecting the calls to their MFA cloud server to localhost instead. So what does that mean? The domain controller was phoning out to the cloud MFA provider to get the code and to ensure the code worked. But the hackers went in there and, and basically cut off communication. So this domain controller could no longer access the MFA service in the cloud. And this change prevented the ability for that domain controller to validate the MFA login and effectively disabled MFA for the entire Active Directory domain accounts because the policy for the MFA vendor is to fail open if the server becomes unreachable. So this is facepalm number two. You can guess what happened next since they had domain admin rights and they disabled MFA by simply modifying the host file. They were then given basically unfettered access into this corporate network. So I've said it before, <clears throat> excuse me, identity is key. I know recently I've been kind of focusing on, you know, cloud identity entitlement management. So how do you tackle this from like legacy on-prem? Is there you just do federation through Azure Active Directory or Okta and there's some type of tool out there that looks for dormant accounts or was this like locally hosted? Do you know? It was a locally hosted AD account as far as I know. Darn you, Ashley Madison. I bet you that account came from there. I'm going to be surprised. Worked at Chipotle. And then, uh, yeah, I'm with you in the, the second face palm of the fail open. I, I wouldn't even think that's a, an option. I didn't even know that was still an option. That's, that blows my mind. Well, take take another step back. What do you think the cybersecurity budget is for an NGO? Is it pretty not, high? Not, not, much, not right? big enough. Yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. not big enough. So 100% open easy, source. Easy targets, yeah. Easy targets. Or, and if yeah, it is like, open source. I, I'm glad they had, yeah, I'm glad they had MFA. That's, that's a huge step, but having... The, the, so, so the part that I was most upset about, so I, I'm not mad that the MFA vendor had an option to fail open because I can see why a company would want to fail open for MFA if the server's unreachable. You have the choice to lock everybody out if the MFA vendor goes down or get DDoS. It's more secure, but your workforce just can't work if it happens. If you fail open, you're down to a single factor authentication, which is more convenient that workers can still work if the MFA server goes down, but it's it's much less secure. So it goes back to the balance between convenience and security. The problem with this particular MFA vendor is that the, the default installation for this solution is not obvious that it fails open, and it does not provide an administrator sufficient warning of why fail open is bad. 
And it's a, also a huge, gigantic pain in the you-know-what to change it from fail-open to fail-close. It involves going deep in the registry and making changes, which is never safe or fun. There's there's not a checkbox that says you know, fail-open, fail-close, which is what I would expect. So the host file thing <clears throat> is a nightmare. And I remember one time at an organization I was at, we made it to the point where only the local administrator can actually go in there and modify that. So even if you were a domain admin, you had no rights to it. So to completely revoke that, and that had its own like secure password. It was in a DMZ. So I thought that was kind of a, a cool uh, idea for that. But can you elaborate a little bit on print nightmare vulnerability? I don't, I don't think I've ever heard it. Maybe two or three sentences for the audience. Sure. So print nightmare is a, it really is a nightmare. So they named it print nightmare and that was a clever name that they gave it, but it, it was a vulnerability in the Microsoft print spooling service because it uses a legitimate service that allows standard users to install print drivers from a shared print server. So if I'm, if I'm at a school, I bring in my personal laptop, I want to print the shared printer. I'm not going to go to hp.com or epson.com to download the driver. I have the ability to grab the drivers off the printer, install it and and run on my machine. So the problem is attackers started abusing this capability and turning it into a remote code execution using you know, bad drivers or unsigned drivers that Microsoft didn't check. And it allows basically remote code execution on the print server. And the print server is often a privileged machine. It's, it's on a file share, a uh, print share, or even on a domain controller. So it allows you to remotely take over that machine. Is this like, how do you patch this vulnerability? So Microsoft has attempted, so every patch Tuesday for probably the last six plus months, Microsoft has tried and tried to get rid of this, this problem. The first time they patched it, they got rid of the, uh, this was discovered by a security researcher and he developed a proof of concept. So Microsoft patched the proof of concept, but they didn't patch the underlying problem. And the, the researcher said, hey, no, you idiots, you, you patched my proof of concept. You didn't patch the problem and I'm still able to do it using this other proof of concept and I think Microsoft did it again. They, they patched the proof of concept, they didn't patch the underlying problem. So I don't know what the status is now, but I, at least for the last six months, they've been trying to chase this one down and, and shut it down. That's a nasty one. Jeez. Sounds that way. Yeah, it's, it's never, yeah, it's never fun when it's, it, it's, it serves a legitimate purpose, but they have to lock it down and they have to make it in, in a way that you know, hack, attackers don't abuse it. So they're, they're walking a tight, tight rope here. How often do you think a patch goes out to fix something and then it's, it wasn't good enough? I don't think I've ever heard of like, here's a patch for like log4j and then two weeks later, like here's another patch for log4j and then six months later, we're still trying to work on it. Can you think of anything else? That did happen with log4j. So the first patch they issued fixed the, the underlying log4j problem, but it, it introduced some kind of denial of service problem. So I, I know there was another patch right after that. Um, I think think the original Spectre and Meltdown patches as well. The initial ones you know, blocked some of it, but caused other problems. So they were chasing their tail on, on that one for, for a while as well. Go, go to the root of this, all right? We're still talking about VPN access here and the fact that they were able to do credential stuffing. So, duh. You know, what, why are people still doing that? Or why is that still a vulnerability as well? Right, because that's where you really go back to. That's if you're going to layers of an ogre, Brian. Layers, layers. That's why you need zero trust? Don't even have a an entry point, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and then limiting the blast radius. So even if they get 
VPN access or secure remote access to a particular server, that server just can't talk to the domain controller. Uh, for our next topic, well, the U.S. Federal Communications Commission, our FCC, has dropped the ban hammer again and has banned Kaspersky Labs from being used on U.S. agency computers and vendors or anyone that does business with the FCC or receives FCC subsidies. The Federal Communications Commission on Friday determined that security products and services from Kaspersky, a Russian-owned antivirus company, pose an unacceptable risk to U.S. national security and added the company to a, quote, covered list of other firms not eligible for FCC funds. This may sound familiar because back in 2017, the the U.S. government also banned Kaspersky from being used on federal agency systems and their affiliates. The Hackeroni Bug Bounty Program, also known as HackerOne, also ended their relationship with Kaspersky, and they are no longer a customer. So in addition to the U.S. FCC, Germany's Federal Office for Information Security also issued an advisory not to use Kaspersky products. The German regulator indicated that Russian authorities could force the AV vendor into allowing Russian intelligence, their FSB or GRU, to use it to launch cyber attacks against its customers or have it be used as a a spy tool within those organizations. And just a note, this is purely hypothetical. There's no evidence that Kaspersky is compromised or acting on behalf of the Kremlin, but governments just are not going to take that risk. They are working on behalf of the Kremlin, aren't they? Don't, don't they actually have, like, there's no uh, separation between church and state over there? Yeah. Depend, depends who you ask. Or is that just ask. China? <laughs> depends who you ask. <laughs> Do you think they have a podcast over there where, like, yep, no one can install semantic over here in Russia, man. We I was just going to ask. Government. I was just going to ask the same thing. It's like <laughs> they, we're going to have not have any allow any U.S. products here in in Russia because they might hack us. No Cisco and no no Palo Alto, no nothing. You All know some Russian neckbeard products. guys are like piss. He's like, but what about Mountain Dew? I got to have my Mountain Dew. <laughs> I know it's not technology, but maybe we're just going to ban everything from the U.S. Well, that's why China, China's really trying to get off Windows. They're trying to develop their own Linux-based operating system because they don't want Windows in their environment because it's, you know, Windows is owned by Microsoft, which is a U.S. company. Microsoft's done such a great job keeping that source code to themselves. Although something was leaked recently, but it wasn't like a, a like Windows 11, right? No, that, that was Bing, Cortana, and then some Azure dev stuff. Uh, but Cortana, that could be a like a shoehorn in, right? Uh, Cortana is their, their search assistant, so it's like their equivalent of Siri. So I, I don't think Microsoft's too worried about that one. Well, th- I mean, I've only used it once, and I thought it was trash. But the idea, right, you know, be able to talk to that search assist- assistant, and it should have hooks in there to, like, hey, open the calculator or something. I think that, you know, yeah, that could true. be worthy. Yeah, they could Trojanize it, right? Like, Cortana, launch the missiles. Oh, crap. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> the the judgment day's coming. <laughs> By the way, have you guys read, going back to like the whole like Russia, Ukraine thing, have you guys heard about like the, I had no idea. I'm like, if someone launches a missile at us, right, we just shoot out of the sky. And then I found out there's this thing called hypersonic missiles, right? Have you, have you heard about this and and the nature of those? In regards to. Is that part of the. Defense? Is that part of the FAD program? Yeah. No. So like if Russia wanted to like send over a nuke right now, like they could do it. Like they don't even have to be in a submarine. They can just shoot it off. Uh, from wherever they're at 
And these yeah. things are so damn fast that, and they can change direction so easily that it would be almost impossible for us to intercept that as it's flying over the Atlantic. It's yeah, it's just like scary. trying to hit one bullet with another bullet. Yeah. You know, improbable, but not impossible. But that's like yeah, so. parts of the the whole escalation of the race game, right? Is like, okay, great, you killed whatever in the U.S. You shot that down, but we have just as many nukes that we could send over the other way as well, or or just as many mutually assured destruction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's mad, right? So. Yeah, and that that's the problem. If you if you even if you take out every single ground target where you know that nuclear missiles are being held, there's just submarines everywhere nuclear armed submarines that you would not be able to take out and would have a difficult time shooting them out of the air too. It's insane. It's scary. Yeah, that's geopolitics for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm sitting so to go back to watching Netflix, not worrying. <laughs> Just kidding. So Brian, to your point about separating church and, and state. So Kaspersky has attempted multiple times to show its independence from Moscow. So they did a couple things. They move their servers to Switzerland, a neutral third party country. So there's no more Kaspersky servers, you know, hosting hosted in Russia are very few of them, if any. They opened themselves up to source code review. They said anybody can come in, review our source code, and make sure there's no backdoors in it. So that proves that there are no backdoors in the software today, but gives no assurances that one cannot be implanted in the future. So as long as Kaspersky has employees or their families inside of Russia, it's possible that that Putin or one of his minions can force a Kaspersky engineer to program a backdoor and push it out in a Trojan update. So I think that's what all the governments are fearful for. Good for them, but I'm not running it. So back to my lake house. I think a lot. Yeah, of not, not a fan of Kaspersky products? No, I don't think I've ever had it, to be honest with you. I always thought it was a great product because the people that were writing the code to block the AV were the same people that were creating the code to do the attacks. So <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the fox guarding the hen house That's situation. It. That's it. So I think a while back as well, right? They had to change their headquarters to the U.S. So they opened a New York office, right, and changed their headquarters as part of that. I mean, other than rebranding, what else do they have to do to show that they're not part of that, like, totally get out of Russia? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, no developers, Eugene Kas... I don't actually, actually I don't know where Eugene Kaspersky lives now, but yeah, he can't be in Russia. None, none of the employees can be in Russia. None, no one can have family in Russia. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, I wouldn't put it... Yeah, yeah I wouldn't put it past family. the yeah. Here there's a lot Russian of office space in San Jose right now. <laughs> yeah they can they can move here <laughs> you imagine how pissed off uh putin is you didn't mean outsource this to the united states this is stupid yeah and knowing that they'll, they'll be able to block that from happening too they don't seem to be big on freedoms over there right now did they ever have freedom <laughs> well then again we we don't have much freedom here as well so but better than others yeah, relatively speaking. Relatively speaking. I think we're better off than, than the Russians. I, I'll be one to say, I've traveled much of the world, right? Being in a former military, I've visited other countries. We have it pretty good here compared to other countries. So. Yep, agreed. I, I know people that have gone on like land tours in Russia, like they've been on a cruise and they make a stop in Russia. And and I, I think the people on the cruise ship tell you, you know, when you get off, there are like very strict rules you have to follow, like, you know, you're, you're limited to these tourist areas, you know, people might be walking around following you and just staring at you. And they said, that's, that's normal. Just don't make eye contact with them and go about your business. Like there's, 
it's even before all this this mess happened like there were russia was not a great country i guess to to visit as as a tourist and that's maybe i'm generalizing it as as well maybe you know st petersburg is is awesome or the black sea is awesome but that's that's at least what i heard for people that have actually been to russia on for for tourism reasons did you guys ever see operation odessa was that uh just recently no. That's on my watch to watch yeah. list. I remember you recommended us to watch. You guys got to watch ago. this. The listeners got to watch it. But basically, it was like after the the fall of the Soviet Union, they had they they were just selling everything. So I I think it might have been kind of a cool time to live there. But there was some drug dealers. I forget what or it was just arms. But long story short, they were offered the ability to buy a nuclear submarine. <laughs> oh yeah, in, in Miami. I did watch that. I watched it right yeah. after we talked about it. Yeah, that Tarzan guy was crazy. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. Buy a submarine. <laughs> All right. For our next story, this this actually happened to Glenn. And Glenn the other day sent us a screenshot in our group chat that someone texted him from his own phone number with a suspicious link. It said something like, hey, as, as a gift for being such a loyal customer, we're paying your bill this month. All you have to do is click here to, to claim your monthly bill credit. And it looks like that's actually a new trend because just over the last week or so, I've seen a few articles specifically referencing Verizon customers that spammers have found a way to get around the spam filter to deliver spam messages and to get people to click on bad links. SMS text messaging is notoriously insecure with no authentication, and it's really easy to spoof phone numbers using a hacked or modded uh, PBX. So there's somebody in our circles, I won't say who, uh, that used to call people up pretending to be our CEO and telling him to, to go you know, mimicking his voice and everything and, and telling him to, to go do some assignment. Like I need you to run down to the corner store and buy me some blinker fluid or, or something like that. Just, just as a practical joke. Uh, but, but yeah, so the, the state of phone spoofing right now, not good. And this is just the newest scam to get people to, to click on bad links. So the first time I actually had heard about this, I was watching a show called The Screensavers. And right when Kevin Mitnick got out of prison, he was on there. He's like, hey, I'm going to show you uh, Kevin Rose. I think it was his name. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you from my phone, but it's going to come through as the White House. And he did it. And I remember watching. I'm like, oh, my God, that just blew my mind. Like, how's this going on? And I was talking with our like the, the, the phone guy that kind of managed like all the landlines at this company I worked for. And he's like, and I was telling him, like, you know, what I had seen. He's like. He's like, it's not that difficult, right? In the PBX, you just log in and you can you can say, like, anytime somebody picks up the phone, you can just say the phone number that they're calling from. Like, it could be their landline, their, I'm sorry, their office line, like, to the to the main or to their desk, right? I was like, well, can I just put any phone number in there? He's like, absolutely. So, like, that's how easy it was. It's just like a command line change and you can start wreaking havoc. And then I was, uh, you know, recently, I would say maybe the last five years, I had called one of our friends and I had called him from his wife's phone number. I was messing with him. I think I used something called spoof card on the Apple store and it's not free. I think you had to buy it for like five or 10 bucks for a couple of minutes and, and just messing with him. And then they came over. They're like, how did you do that? Like, how did you call me from my wife's number? And I said, you know, I kind of explained to him. He's like, all right, this is what we need to do. He's like, I have a, like a friend of a friend. We're going to call up and we should just mess with him. Cause he's like, he's, he's goofy. He, he's going to fall for it. And so we got all this information, like, uh, you know, found out that he was applying for a job. 
uh, found out like his wife's name. Uh, we, we started telling him like weird stuff. Like when you go into the interview, right, you got to just tell him like, you know, hands down, you're the best employee that you can ever have this position. And if you don't hire me, you're an idiot. That's the only way you'll get this job. But I was calling <laughs> from future self. So it'd be like Brian calling Brian Heach, right? And I was like, hey, hey, Brian, this is Brian. You know, the year is 2046. And he's like, what? And I and I was trying to mimic his voice and, and all this stuff. But one of the funniest parts was like, I was like, all right, you're going to have a baby soon. And the, the you have to name it like, uh, you know, the, some insane name that made no sense. He's like, all right. And then I was trying to convince him to like write down the lottery numbers and stuff like this. And then... Uh, but this went over the course of like six months of just constantly messing with this dude. And eventually he started sharing uh, these stories with his, his colleagues at work. Like, yeah, he's like, I think I'm legitimately getting phone calls from the future me. And uh, like he was like, he bought into it wholeheartedly. And then uh, eventually there was a wedding and he was invited to it, you know, because we can't like the friend of a friend. We all meet it up or met up like that. And so I, I was able to break the news to him at the wedding. Like, hey, uh, it's it's your future self. He's like, huh? And I started telling him all this. Stuff. He's like, I was wondering how the heck you knew all these things about me, man. <laughs> Six I didn't try months. How did he take it? Six months. Oh, yeah. You fake that. That's got to be crazy. It's, it's like the prestige, right? You got to be committed. Yeah. How did he take it? Was he like all oh, he was, or like, was he like, ah, I think half the one. time he was That's drunk or high anyway. So I don't think it really mattered to him. He's just kind of a goofball. Yeah. He's like, That's so I don't great. need to name my, my son Jarvis and, and Leonard. I'm like, no, you don't need to do that. Yeah. That's okay. So, so why is it? Why, why don't we have better security on, 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 on calls, text messages, phishing, all that stuff. Right. I, like I said, this should, it was created before yeah. anyone thought of malicious intent, right? Same, same with why we can't have a secure internet. It was not built with security in mind. There's, there's the stir slash shaken protocol. I know that passed, and that uses that actually uses pretty sophisticated PKI to ensure that the outgoing caller is who they say they are. But I don't know if that's taken effect or it, there's it's pretty far out in the future. But the, we do have a framework to stop this nonsense once in. For all, it's just going to take a long time because of legacy reasons. A company is going to complain that says this is too hard. This is going to take long, too long, and we'll get extension after extension. It'll be years before this this protocol is implemented. We had this uh, one customer years ago, and this the the guy was calling like a college and trying to do enrollment, but he like he fell in love with this chick, right? And she wanted nothing to do with him, and uh, so he started doing a, a TDOS, a telephone denial of service. And I'm not too sure what he did to actually create this attack, but uh, long story short, like every time they picked up the phone, it was just dead air, right? And so like legitimate students weren't able to come in and actually talk uh, to anybody because he was just overwhelming the call center because this chick broke his heart. She didn't do anything wrong, but he was, you know, weird. And so we ended up having to write like an eye rule to distinguish the difference between like audio versus dead air and then just have and start just dropping all these, you know, the, the RNA, like the ring no answer calls. And then allow like legitimate kids to come through to apply for college. Yeah, that's the sad state of affairs we're in now. I'm sure you're one of those guys that just falls in love right away, right, Chris? <laughs> maybe. Isn't maybe. that what Grace I, said? I never. He was, you just. I. I never teed off anyone. I'll make that clear. <laughs> Good. What about you, uh, right. Boomerang? Are you a, a hopeless romantic? Uh, well, I did marry my high school sweetheart, so. I, I do love her to death and then some. So, 
There you go. Look at that. It's beautiful. I'm going to cry. There you go. There you go. For our last topic, and it'll be a rotating topic every week. This week, I want to know what you guys to do, what you guys do when you're working and you need to get jacked in. Now, before Brian corrects me and tells me that getting jacked in means something totally different to teenagers, the act of jacking in while working means that you're so laser focused on the task in front of you that there's literally nothing around you that can distract you from what you're doing. The term was made famous by Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook fame and as seen in the movie The Social Network when the programmers wore headphones to get in the zone. Back then they had to actually plug the headphone jack into the computer before they had you know wireless headphones or before they became famous. So for me, I have a few Spotify playlists and I can link them in the description to share them. I have one of just random music I've collected over the years of having Spotify. I have one EDM playlist that's electronic dance music and I actually have one combined playlist that Spotify created for Brian and I as a mashup which combines the top 25 played songs of the week for each of us. That allowed me to expand my horizon on the type of music I listen to and I have to say I have never heard so much music reference moonshine until I started listening to Brian's music. So what do you guys do? First, I feel left out because I just got approved for Instagram with you guys. And now I Spotify sharing music. I know that a while back, but I guess I got to go get an account now. Yeah, you're on Apple Music, so they, they don't cross platform. They don't. They don't. But yeah, you can get a free account and share with us. It's OK. Yeah. Yeah, that should work. Maybe I can get one of your sub accounts there, Uncle Barbecue. You know, I, I maxed out the family, right? It only does six, so we're good to go. Okay. Uh, how about I'll give it to you, but I'll put the explicit filter turned off. That way you can't listen to <laughs> adult music. Oh, that would be crazy. That would drive me crazy if I couldn't listen to explicit music. So, so yeah, I wake up in the morning, and first thing I do is like when I get, well, not the first thing I do, but when I walk into my closet, my eyes have, you know, woken up. I look at my calendar for the day. And figure out who I need to kill, right? Being the competition that's out there, then I'll take that those thoughts of like you know what I need to kind of execute. Uh, I go to the gym, and usually in the mornings it's always running. But then I, that's when I will get jacked in. I'm gonna play some music of some nature. Maybe there's moonshine. Maybe there's hillbillies. Who knows? I don't. Even, maybe there's a banjo, but something that is <laughs> uh, you know somewhat questionable, right? And just use that to kind of you know get the uh, the blood flowing. Uh, I used to do like a ton of like pre-workouts and stuff, but now I'm 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 all off the caffeine, and so. Are you yeah. on the smelling salts now? No, not not that I would be against it, right? Um, but I I am getting ready to start doing a different training program here on Monday, so maybe smelling salts will be something uh, of the nature that I'll be doing on the the regular. So before before you go too far, how how long is this training new new training regimen going to be? So that way we know what type of uh, behavior you're going to come to the podcast with. <laughs> My erratic behavior. Yeah. Uh, it's it's gonna um it shouldn't be all that much different than what I'm doing now. But I, I just have a buddy that wanted to to work with me and train me, so we're gonna go through that. And, you know, I told him, I said, I'm at this point in my life where I don't really need to get big. I'd rather just kind of lean out, right? Like, you know, mid-40s, right? I don't need to be like this giant dude anymore carrying a bunch of extra weight, uh, even if it is muscle. So I'm going to try to just lean out. But I'll, I'll still be diet know, the well. nice guy that I am today. Is that diet as What's well? That? Is that diet as yeah, well? Yeah, diet as well. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, diet I mean, changes I mean, behavior. <laughs> so, I know it does with yeah. me. <laughs> That's probably why I can't lose weight. I'll just be angry all the time. Yeah, yeah. like I'm angry if I can't have rice. Rice is feed my me, life. Feed me, Phoebe. Yeah. It's that gluten. Like I know the people that are on gluten-free diets, and they just their personality takes a turn for the worse when they cut out gluten. So the, the last three weeks, I went straight uh, Carno diet because when we were in San Diego, I, I ate the same way Doc Brown refills the DeLorean, right? This, this trash. Did someone hit a, you know, a trash can with a time machine? What? Making lunch. Like that was literally what I was doing. And so when I came back, I was like, man, I'm miserable. Stomach's always hurting. Uh, got aches and pains. And so then I switched it to straight carnivore diet only. So I would only eat it if it had a face. And within three days, like I think a lot of the food that it was eating had a ton of uh, properties in there that would cause inflammation. So it just all went away. And so I think by the second week, that's when I was rolling in like, hey, did 10 miles today on the treadmill. Like no biggie. It was a lot easier to do that. So that's pretty cool. Nice. I, I So I'm a little different. The music is not my thing. Um, but when I am working out, it's I do like to listen to actually hard rock. I like ACDC, Metallica. Um, I, it just keeps me going, right? So, um, but if I'm going, if I'm doing work, I like to put ridiculousness on, like in the background. I don't know if you guys watch that because <laughs> it's just Is stupid. That with Rob Deerdeck, yeah, yeah, I like to watch Rob that. Rob Deerdeck, Chanel, oh, Chanel's Chanel, laugh is Chanel so annoying. Yeah, my wife oh says my that God, too. So annoying. <laughs> but I don't, I don't, I don't play the volume. Um, I just. Sometimes, well, it depends. So, like, if I'm heads down, deep in work, I play the volume really loud, so that way um, I, it kind of it kind of keeps me going. Like, I, I I try and defer that mute that out that uh, the the extra audio. I can tune that out. Um, either that, or I'll I'll go sit in a Panera or a Starbucks, and I like no, white. I like a lot of noise in my background in order to make me to allow me to focus, but not music. Kind of weird. So I need, I need perfect silence. Like when I'm actually getting ready, like if I'm going to do my own research or something like that, I need perfect silence. I can't listen to anything. I have the door shut and I'm hyper-focused on that only. Yeah. And anything will distract me. No, yeah. I, I'm the total opposite. I don't, I don't like it quiet. I like noise. I like a lot of noise when I'm working. Yeah. And, and Glenn, on, on Spotify, they do have some white noise playlists, so... What is that? Get Just on, people there's... walking in, ordering Starbucks and coffee and whatnot. <laughs> I don't know if they have office noise. They bunch have of, like white noise. Yeah. Bunch yeah, of basic like white girls ordering Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, I'm up. So I got to tell you guys, I, I'm not actually a licensed electrician. And when my customers find that out, they're shocked. Oh, boy. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> All right. To wrap things up, the PebCAG podcast is not canceled. April Fool's. Attackers defeat MFA by knocking it offline. Kaspersky gets banned in the U.S. again. Do not click on links in text messages, even if it's from your own number. Brian likes music that talks about moonshine. And happy belated birthday to Glenn. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate that. <laughs> sure. That's all I have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast. 
Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who rated us five stars in the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading your word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the Pepcac Podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. For my co-host Brian Deach and Glenn Medina, I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next weekend. As always, have a nice day. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate it. hundred bucks to... Oh, yeah. Sorry about that, Glenn. Yeah, hundred bucks to anybody who can figure out what kind of music I'm actually listening to. Moonshine. <laughs> False. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not stuck. <laughs>